Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who calls us his brothers and sisters, his friends, his disciples. But through his life, death, and resurrection, he redeems us and calls us his saints. Amen. You may be seated. Dear fellow saints, the hymn that we just sang to me is one of the greatest hymns in the hymnal. Such a wonderful combination of great music and powerful words. This victorious hymn introduces us to the theme of All Saints Day. For us in the church, this day is a memorial day. It's a day of remembrance. All Saints Day is a day that we remember our family members who have died. We remember with thanksgiving and with victory our grandpas and grandmas, our mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, aunts and uncles, our friends and neighbors, and all our loved ones who have preceded us in death and now partake of the feast of victory in heaven for all eternity. God revealed this beautiful picture of heaven to serve as a comfort for the saints who continue their journey here on earth, for you and for me. And the climax of Revelation is found in this question. These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? A pastor was once asked, will we know each other when we get to heaven? And his answer helps give us the theme of today's worship. He answered this way. He said, we won't really know each other until we get to heaven. Those in white robes are the ones who've been redeemed in the blood of the Lamb to be who God really intended them to be. Heaven has been summarized as worship without distraction, serving without exhaustion, fellowship without fear, learning without fatigue, and rest without boredom. But no matter how one describes heaven, it is to always be about God. It's always to be about the eternal relationship that we have with him. And so that's why today on this All Saints Day, we turn to the book of Revelation for comfort and strength. The book of Revelation is a powerful and beautiful book designed to answer one question. How long will it be before the victory? The people in the early church were suffering greatly. Suffering under persecution. Many were being martyred for the faith. And so they looked for the second coming of Christ as the grand and glorious answer to their pain. Now today, people offer a variety of answers to that question, how long will it be before the victory? But it's usually placed in conditional sentences. Uh, if you can do this, or when you have achieved that, depending on one thing or another. But the problem is that these conditions are based on what you do, rather than what God has already done. You see, for the Christian, all of life 
is based on the simple answer to that question. And the answer is this. Our victory starts now. Now the celebration of this day, you know, despite the emotions that are brought forward when we remember our loved ones, is one of hope. We are confident. We are confident we have the same victory now that our loved ones already have in Christ's eternal presence. And so the message of All Saints Day is that before any of the circumstances of life, we've already won. The victory is ours. The saints of God celebrate God's eternal victory before there is a new heaven and a new earth. Before there is a new Jerusalem coming down out of the sky. Before there is a river of life flowing from the throne of God. The people of God celebrate as if it has already happened. For indeed, for the faithful, it already has. Victory. Victory is what All Saints Day is all about. How can we be so sure? How can we be so confident in this victory? Well, number one, we know that our God is a God of salvation. The proof is in the scars of Christ. The nail-imposed scars in the hands and feet of Jesus is all the proof that we need. It's the nail-scarred hands of Jesus that speak louder than words to prove that we are his. We are his for all eternity. It's those nail-scarred hands that allow us to confess, surely this is my God. We have trusted in him, and he has saved us. Number two, our God is the God of resurrection. Just look at the empty tomb. The victory was won on that very first Easter day. On that resurrection day, God, through his Son, proclaimed victory forever. And nothing, absolutely nothing, can change that. Nothing can ever set it aside. The victory has been won. But why is it so important for us to know, believe, and trust the promise of Revelation? To trust the promises of Easter? It's so that when you run the race of life, when you stumble and fall, which we all will, when you're hurt or injured, when things don't work out for you and you finish last, you still know that you are not defeated. You are not defeated, for regardless of the outcome or course of human events, the one victory that really counts, the one victory that's above all other victories, is already yours. It's been given to you in Christ. Number three, our God is the God of life. Just look at the white robes. In Revelation, the Lord lets us take a peek at his plan for us. A plan for a truly abundant and eternal life. Now, I love the story of John Quincy Adams. It was said that when he was very old and uh, had endured a bad winter where he was in bed for months sick, and when springtime finally came, he was determined to get outside and go for a walk. And so with the aid of his cane, he made his way down the street. And a friend passed by and said, well, tell me, how is John Adams today? 
And he replied, saying, If you're asking about this old house in which John Adams lives, I can tell you it's in pretty bad shape. The windows are broken out, the roof is caving in, and I can't remember anything anymore. The foundations are weak, and any old wind causes this old house of a body to shake and tremble. No doubt the tenant will be moving out soon. But if you're asking me about John Adams himself, then I can tell you he's all right, and he will be a thousand years from now. Did you hear that? That is what victory sounds like. It's victory, come what may. It's victory, no matter what. Victory before we lose that job, before the heart attack, before the operation, before the sorrow and grief, before the failure with children, spouse, or self, before the feelings get hurt, before we wonder if we'll ever smile again. Before any of that, the faith in our hearts cries out, victory. Victory. The promise has been heard, believed, and celebrated. We praise God for this with our loved ones who cry out, victory. Now, I'm very confident that if our loved ones who have died in the faith could say one thing to us, if they could communicate anything to us, that it would be this, victory. They would cry out to us, victory. Why? Because that's what they live in right now. And that's what we live in, too. I look forward to joining with the saints who have gone before us in the resurrection, in the new and eternal life that God has in store for us. And certainly today, we think about our grace family members who are with the Lord, Virginia Alford, Frank Cox, Ruth Wehmeyer, and Tim Jackson. That's why it's so important that we're gathered here together. That we're gathered here as a church family around the altar, around God's gifts of word and sacrament. Because as we partake of the holy meal of Christ's body and blood given and shed for us, we, we have this wonderful promise that when we partake of this holy supper, that we are joining with the angels, the archangels, and the whole company of heaven which includes our loved ones who have died in faith. And so as we gather here around the Lord's altar together, there is nowhere that we're more, that we're more closely with our loved ones who have died in the faith than here at the Lord's altar. And that's why it's so important to be here in God's house, that we join with them in praising God's glorious name, evermore praising him and singing victory. And so today, we remember and we rejoice. Now, remembering, when it involves those whom we have known and loved so dearly, is not without its pain. Our remembering puts us right in the midst of the beatitude, which was today's gospel lesson. As Jesus mentions, those who mourn, those who are poor in spirit, who feel as if they had the wind kicked out of them, the meek who find themselves dealing with circumstances beyond their control, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are asking questions and looking for answers, questions like why. But here's the deal. 
If remembering puts us in the Beatitudes, then it also places us right in the center of God's blessedness. Comforted in our grieving, consoled and encouraged with God's mercy, goodness, kindness, hopefulness, care, and compassion. And secondly, we rejoice. Rejoicing is the outcome of the hope that's been given to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's not a rejoicing that ignores the pain or the grief, but one that is able to rejoice anyway. We remember and we rejoice because before our loved ones died, they lived. Sometimes poor in spirit, mournful, meek, and needy but also pure at heart, devoted to peace and God's righteousness. And even though they die, they live. Theirs is the kingdom of God. They have obtained mercy. They are called children of God, and they do see God face to face. Brothers and sisters in Christ, by God's grace, we are given a new and victorious life to share, to proclaim, and to live in beginning right now. We live in the midst of this world that is so accustomed to defeat. People all around us have made peace with gloom as if despair was their only choice. But it isn't. The scars on Christ's hands, the empty tomb, and those in white robes call us to victory today. We remember that the God who is with our loved ones now is the one who is with them at death to proclaim his victory, and is the God who leads us forward confidently to live and rejoice before we reach heaven and to celebrate the salvation of the Lord, which is ours, through the victory of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>